0: friend. Welcome back. Thank you for being here. Thank you for being a part of the conversation that you're about to listen to. Ooh, this one blew my socks off. This one blew my socks off. I got to share the space today with the amazing Katie Grimes. And when I say amazing, I mean it. You will hear it. <laughs> you will hear it for yourself. I don't have to tell you. You will know it. Katie is a love and business coach, and we talk about that. Of course, it's a big part of her life. It's it's her love. It's her passions. But what this conversation really is about is going through being in a personal awakening, a spiritual awakening, whatever words feel good for you. But this massive upgrade and this massive evolution into a next version of yourself and what it feels like when you're in that space, when you're in the midst of the storm, because there's a lot of tendencies for us, myself included in these moments to not, not understand you're trying to make sense of it. And it just doesn't, or you're, trying to figure out the reason or the lesson or the piece and it's just not coming. And Katie speaks so beautifully to this, but it's really, truly in these moments where you start to assess and examine yourself and in the space that you're in and looking at is my faith in the driver's seat? Is it taking up more capacity than my fear or is it the other way around? What energy am I leading with? And I, when we speak to this and when you hear this knowing and and so much in your soul that we're holding space for you wherever you're at, because it's all a lesson and it's all, it's all leading you somewhere. But even hearing those words when you're in it, we talk about this in the very beginning, hearing those words when you're in it, you're like, fuck you. No. And if you're in that fuck you, no space, great. Be there. It's a part of it as well. It's a part of it as well, but it's conversations like this. It's hearing words as strongly and boldly and powerfully that Katie shares as in in her story that you'll see it's not just for some people. It can be for you and you have to be ready and your body, your mind, your, your journey will let you know when it's there. And also celebrating all of the things that are, you've done to get you to hear today. Right? We don't want to dismiss all of that as well. Oh, man. Here we go. Open up your ears. Open up your hearts. And listen to the absolute wisdom that is Katie. And really, really quickly, I did want to mention, I do just want to share that about 20 minutes into the episode... There is a discussion that we have around sexual assault. And if that is a space that is activating or triggering to you and, and not in a space that you have the capacity for, please honor what you need. Please honor what you need. Katie speaks in that space and says if it is a space that you need support in, resources in, someone to hear you and see you to reach out to her. So maybe this episode is not even available to you to listen to, but just knowing that Katie's information is in the show notes and that you can reach out to somebody who is a a support for you, who is a light for you in this moment. Know that that is there for you as well.
1: All right, Katie, I'm so happy that you're here today and hanging out. And I just, we've talked a little bit before we even recorded, and I know whatever comes is going to be really, really powerful and needed. And I've learned... Katie, as a podcaster too, I'm sure you've seen this, but I've just learned that when an idea or a topic or a conversation comes to light, it's because it's needed, not just by one person or the two people having the conversation, but for several people to lean on and to feel into.
2: It's so true. I mean, I think when you asked me, you started to share who this podcast is for, people who are going through their own personal awakenings and spiritual awakenings and trying to make sense of maybe the discomfort that they're feeling you know, intuitively like what came up was, you know, how to make sense of stuff that makes no sense in your life right now. And that's why I'd asked you, I'm like, do you want me to just share my personal story? Cause my whole story was, did not make sense and how it's gotten me to where I am today as a, you know, dating and, and business coach, essentially. I mean, gosh, I even started out as a, as a dating coach and never even thought I would become a business coach, but Half my revenue comes from business coaching and I don't even advertise for it. Like, you know, so there's there's different things that I think it, when, if somebody is listening to this and they're going through a hard time, it's sometimes we hear from people like, you know, the only way, the only way are, is through, not around. And you gotta trust the process. And you got and in when you're hearing it, you're like, Can you please, can we swear on this podcast? And yeah.
0: I, Yes. Yeah. You're like, what
2: what the hell? Like, fuck you. Like, what what are you telling me? Like, the lesson learned. And um, I might use some of that language, but I think for the most part, my hope is that as you hear my story, you realize like, oh, shit. Like, we all kind of go through those struggles. And sometimes we make the best decisions and sometimes we don't. But either way, we do learn something about ourselves and our destiny, I think, and our legacy too along the way. Now I look back on my story and I'm like, oh, it makes so much sense why everything happened that way. I just wish that God had had the roadmap and was like, "Listen, Kate, you were born, your parents are gonna get divorced, shit is gonna hit the fan, probably from like age three to like thirty six. You're gonna feel like a fucking animal, okay? And then just hold on for a couple years. Just hold on for dear life and make sure you don't get knocked up. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like. Now at 38, I'm able to go, oh, so that's why all that happened. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah.
1: And it is so much easier to see. I think that's why that that dismissive language, because that's what I really, really think of as, you know, and I will say trust the process and I will say that you have to go through it because you do, but I think it's so dismissive. Everything happens for a reason and, and blah, blah, blah it takes away from what you're feeling in the moment because I know when I've gone through things that those things are true, but I don't feel them right there and then. So it doesn't fucking mean anything in the <laughs> so moment true. to hear that. Like it doesn't mean anything.
2: So true. Yeah. It's so true. I mean, I always sort of start my story living up in York, Maine in the U S um, where it's like an hour and a half, two hours north of Boston, and I start that I start the story there because that's when I think I was 28, 27, 20 no, I was twenty six. It makes me think back to the day that I left a r- romantic relationship that was with a narcissist, alcoholic, and a sex addict, and he was an over he was an overworker and overspender too and I start my story there because that was the beginning of my spiritual awakening like I've had more spiritual awakening since and what I mean is just sort of this epiphany this aha this slap in the face this like you fell down and then God's like well come here let me bring this support system around you to show you the way I've had quite a few of those moments over the last 12 years but I start at that 12-year mark because it feels like everything before then was just me being in my 20s and now I look back on it and I'm like oh my gosh I was craving love from friends coworkers romantic partners to be validated and and trust that I was lovable and I had no idea until I got into that relationship which was as as you may or may not know when you're dating a narcissist there's a lot of love at the beginning and it's a lot of like coercing and building you up and making you feel like you're very special and then out of and then they slowly start to rip away at your self-confidence, right? And it's stupid shit. It's like cheating and then it's but then it's also like emotional abuse, right? So fast forward to leaving that relationship, moving back to Boston, and at that point getting help through the doors of Al-Anon, a 12-step recovery program that was for people who were affected by alcoholics and affected by those who were impact, you know, addiction in any way, shape, or form. And realizing that I was just as sick as the addicts that were in my life and realizing like, I mean, essentially what I didn't realize is I was going to go to graduate school to to deeply understand, meaning I did not go to grad school, but like through 12-step recovery, is to learn about addiction, to learn how it has manifested in my family, why has it manifested in my family, and then why do I have it? And then what it's done is it helps me to coach other people who don't even know that they have addiction, just specifically love and to relationships and to help them to see, okay, here are the signs you can spot so that when you are literally overthinking or feeling anxiety, when you first meet a new person, you get, I'll give you the tools to assess, is it them or is it you?
1: Mm, I love that. Because that's the cloudy part. Right, And especially so many conversations we've had in this community and in this container is around intuition and trusting yourself and how do you do that? And sometimes it is with the help of somebody else to just clear some of the space for you, not to give you the answer, but to help you clear out some of that so you can come to that by yourself and really, really feel and believe that.
2: Well, I do, I do that now for clients because it was done for me, meaning that like, okay, if I think about Katie 1.0 version, Katie 1.0 did not trust herself she didn't really trust other people but then she trusted them like a little too soon without them actually like proving anything to her not that people need to prove anything to you be you get what i'm going like there i kind of no trust them.
1: established whatsoever
2: there was no trust established whatsoever so i would often sleep with them to be able to gain that connection versus feeling connected to them and then sleeping with them is that like i found that i that 1.0 version of me didn't trust myself and didn't trust other people i would go based solely off what felt good. And what I didn't realize is that I was actually training my brain that when you feel anxious, you should reach out to that guy to seek approval because then then if he texts you back, you're good enough. And if he doesn't, yeah, that's right, you're not. Katie Katie 1.0 desperately needed a 2.0 version. And that meant that I was getting help from 12-step recovery by going to meetings. So it's like group meetings where you meet every – honestly, you could go every day if you wanted multiple times a day, but I would go three times a week. I had a sponsor. I talked to fellows in that group and I shared my experience, strength and hope. And what I started to talk about was little things like my boss sending that email with five extra exclamation points really triggered me to feel like I wasn't good enough. Yeah, okay. So the fact that I forgot my lunch and then had to pay $20, I had to borrow $20 and I forgot my wallet. So I had to pay, you know, borrow money from my coworker and that felt shameful. Like whatever the little idiosyncrasies are of our day to the bigger things, which are like, I fear that my grandmother is gonna die. And so that's why I spend so much time with her. Right, Like stupid shit that like, I just didn't realize was codependent or people pleasing or was actually coming from a place of fear mm-hmm. of what people would think of me. And so what I, you're right, I needed I needed help. So I like, where do you go when you need help? Like I thought therapy. Well, therapy for me at the beginning was really painful you know people were coming these therapists particularly were coming to me saying you're an adult child of an alcoholic okay could you soften your tone a little bit like i don't what the fuck does that even mean well you grew up in dysfunction what is dysfunction i don't even know what that is because it
1: might be but if that's what your norm was that's not
2: dysfunctional
1: that to you in that moment not in that moment it's like no,
2: that was just my life. My, yeah, exactly. And what was dysfunction for me? Two parents who were divorced, mom screaming all the time, drinking, trying to sleep with anybody that she could to, to fill the void of my dad, right? My dad avoiding confrontation at all costs, but being a reliable and consistent father to me, and then being raised by other family members who also had no clue what they were doing, raising a young girl. And then of having grandparents who were a part of the great depression. So there was a lot of scarcity, a lot of alcoholism, a lot of stuff just going on behind the scenes, a lot of bullying, a lot of emotional abuse, and then also some really great times. So I never really understood that I would hear things like you need to forgive or forget when I would be bullied by a family member growing up to the point where I'm crying hysterically, right? Or like you, you, you spilt that milk, like you're going to get spanked. Like there were just certain things that like looking back, they did the best that they could because they didn't they didn't know anything, mm-hmm. in my opinion. And I have said to my now cousins, like. We, it's our responsibility to break the cycle. You know, you you don't we don't talk about each other behind each other's backs. We all are all the cousins. If we have an issue with somebody, we talk right to each other's faces because we we weren't taught that way. Yeah. We were taught to other otherwise. So I think Katie 2.0 really needed someone or some or many people to show her the way however katie 2.0 was also looking for other people's approval by then asking everybody what they thought about a particular situation mm-hmm. like oh my my co-worker sent me an ex, um, email with five exclamation points what do you think about it what do you think about it megan what do you think about it and then i would go back and i just again didn't trust myself
1: yeah.
2: and i would say that you know i've been in recovery now for 12 years and I'm grateful for 12 step recovery. And then it was about, you know, my story kind of continued where I was, you know, trying to get trying to get out of debt. I was um overspending to kind of keep up with the Joneses because my friends were all, you know, out every weekend, Thursday to Sunday, spending a boatload of cash on Ubers and drinking and going out and stuff like that. And in 2015, I ended a relationship and in, in kind of in a matter of just a few weeks, I um I ended up having an like, essentially, I had an affair, meaning like he was married, I had an affair with a man, a married man, I quit, I got into sex and love, the Addicts Anonymous, which is another 12 step recovery program. And then I quit drinking, because I thought, Oh, maybe the drinking is why I'm sleeping with a married guy. Or, but really, when I unwrapped all that, I had a deep fear of intimacy, because I deeply feared getting hurt. So I would choose unavailable and emotionally emotionally unavailable and physically unavailable men and it went against everything in my Catholic upbringing uh everything and so then there was the Catholic guilt layered in with the shame and then that created a whole thing around sex and especially as I think back to my memories of Uh, masturbation as a young kid and trying to understand like that part of me was so stifled, even though it was it's a self-soothing mechanism, that what did I do at a very young age? I started flirting with men, with boys and some men. (laughs) Like, and so as I started this journey, I that was 2015, I all that kind of went down in, in one clean sweep. And I I realized I was like, okay, well, the drinking, not drinking does make me feel better, but I'm not addicted to alcohol. Just Mm -hmm. like i'm not addicted to drugs like i just don't do them because i don't like them it doesn't make me feel good i'm addicted to what other people think of me i'm i'm addicted to relationships i have an overthinking problem not a drinking problem and from there i spent a number of years in really understanding the qualities and characteristics of slaa which is sex and love addicts anonymous and understanding oh okay i when i don't feel good about me i like everybody else do certain things to make myself feel better so yes i might go to the gym and i might eat my kale and drink my smoothie but i might also in the past have flirted with that guy or texted this one or been swiping on a dating app like just certain things or fantasizing about someone who wasn't actually my boyfriend like celebrities right and what I realized is as I started to get healthier, again, surrounding myself with, with a, a sponsor who acts like a coach or a mentor, I was took a period of time off from dating and was like, I'm, I'm addicted to dating. I'm addicted to being in a long-term relationship and I'm not enjoying the journey. I am literally trying to sleep with people in the hopes that it will become a connection. And that's not actually what's working for me anymore. I need to stop doing what I'm doing so that I can actually get what I want. I actually want to work remote. I actually want to be in a loving relationship. I actually want to have a podcast. I want all of these things, but if I don't clean up this side of the street, I'm not, I don't know that I'm going to get anything I want because my corporate career was going down the tank because I think I was always trying to work my way up to the corporate ladder and I wasn't, I wasn't really being myself. I was being corporate Katie versus like Katie, who you see here on the podcast, right? Or who my friends were seeing.
1: Well, and that's just the reflection of what happens is if if there's a part or a piece of us, a big enough part or a piece of us that isn't getting those needs met and isn't feeling fulfilled and isn't trusting themselves and kind of is that poisonous space or a space that really needs tending to, eventually it will come out in all the other areas. It, it's not just isolated to one space.
2: I say that all the time, Megan, like when, when clients come to me and they say, Oh, I'm so, you know, they come to me for two things. It's usually dating or business. I want to start and grow my business, but I'm scared. I'm nervous. What do I do about benefits, right? All this other stuff. And then when it comes to dating specifically, they'll say, oh, you know, I don't know. I need to prioritize my kids right now. Or, you know, I'm, I'm just going to stop dating. I'm just not going to date. And then, and then, you know, but I'll, I'll leave the door open. And I, I say the same thing to both of those types of clients. You are fooling yourself if you think that that is the only area in your life where you think, that you're being affected. What do you mean? Well, let's look at it, let's holistically look at what are the foods you're eating? What are the thoughts you're thinking? What are the feelings you're feeling? How are you spending your money? Does everybody else take priority over you? Because if you're prioritizing your kids and you're not prioritizing yourself, okay, I speak as not a mother, so just for anybody who wants to tell me to go fuck myself, you're Mm -hmm. welcome to. Um, Your kids cannot thrive if you're not alive.
1: And there's seasons right like i'm not a mother either so again me speaking of this, there are going to be times in life where things are off balance or things are more one sided than the other, but if the cumulative. Of those pieces don't eventually come back to you taking care of you and you tending to you it's not going to be stable and it's not going to be sturdy for you or anybody else you're inviting into that space.
2: It's so true. And I've always been really obsessed with personal development and and eventually it became more spirituality too. I was always a I was always somebody who was in strategy and I think I was forced to be in my masculine because I worked in corporate America. And so I was observing what I saw women in corporate America do and be when really I was craving especially in a romantic relationship to not be the one leading right I didn't always want to be the one flirting I didn't always want to be the one that was taking charge but I was really desperately fearful that I wasn't going to get what I wanted if I didn't actually go take action because also for lack of a better word I had always been congratulated or a pat on the back for going and doing and achieving my whole life Mm -hmm. so when I couldn't do that when it came to dating I was like what the heck is wrong with me what's wrong right and so I was like okay then let's rebuild the foundation kate now now mind you i didn't want to do this but i knew i needed to do this so with the guidance of a team of people i took about a year and a half off from dating but here's the thing when i say i took a year and a half off of dating there was a strategic step-by-step game plan that i went through every single week almost every single day i had journal entries i had shit i needed to do inner work that i needed to do and i chose to do because i was not going to take a break and get back out there and start dating and have the same shit happen so i say this to my clients all the time when they came come in i i strongly recommend if you're in your if you're in some sort of form of addiction that you do take a period of time off from dating however it doesn't need to be a year or a year and a half like me but we you'll be damned if you get back out there and you're doing the same stuff again, we are going to get to the root of why do you think, feel and act the way that you do around dating the same way we we would in business? This is why people overwork, right? Is the, a fear is driving them, like a fear that they're not gonna get what they want. And so kind of the story goes is for me, after taking that year and a half off, I was I was about two months away from getting back out there and I got invited on a ski weekend away. And I remember intuitively right before, I went on the trip. I was walking up the hill to my house to take, I was taking a walk and I got startled. Now I got startled because I heard the word rape in my head. And I looked back just to see if anybody was around me and no one was around me. And there was no, like there was nothing going on. And I thought, well, that's fucking weird. Like what's going on here? So I called my friend and I was like, I'm really sick. Like I'm physically sick. I am not feeling well. I don't know that I'm going to go on this trip. And she said, um, we're gonna miss out on a lot of money if you do this. Mm. And my sponsor said to me, there is no price that you can put on your self-worth. Yeah. And I wish I listened, but I went on that trip and I was raped and I was sexually assaulted that weekend. And ironically enough, the anniversary was just a few days ago, four years ago. And I have to tell you that first, of, first and foremost, if there's anyone who has ever been through this experience Please DM me if you feel like you still need support or want support. I will direct you to the resources that I've used to get support. I do not say this lightly, and I do not say this from a place of like kind of being a dick about it. Like, it is the best thing that actually ever happened to me. And here's why it's kind of, I think, what, well, similar to what COVID did for a lot of people it made me sit up and take notice that my life was unmanageable. And that even though I thought I had been doing the inner work and had been really surrendering and paying attention to who I was surrounding myself with, it's actually one of the first questions, Megan, that I ask all my clients when they join me, is I say, who are you surrounding yourself with? I gotta know who you're surrounding yourself with, because if I don't know, it can actually impact you. And so create your safe and trusted circle, right? And so what I realized in that moment is that people who I thought were friends were not friends. That I was still attracting subconsciously or consciously people who would be willing to hurt me at the drop of a dime, and that I was still accepting unacceptable behavior. Because the part of my story, and if you maybe picked up on this, I said it happened over a weekend like I didn't leave. And so that's a hard part of my story. It's not anymore. And I I feel very open to talking about it is like, I couldn't wrap my head around the fact that I did not leave a situation. I now understand that when our brain experiences trauma, our bodies fight, flight, freeze, or fawn. (laughs) I just would lay there. Like I just stayed there. I, so It was the best thing that ever happened to me because there was a series of unfortunate events that happened one one right in a row and i'll I'll kind of give you the quick overview. About. Two weeks later, my stepmom called and said, so I only have a few more weeks to live, it is getting close to the end right. So I lock I pack up I go to Houston I spend time with her to be with her I book another flight out so that I can see her before she dies she dies the day i'm flying out my grandfather dies my best friend decides who at that time was the one that went on the trip Decides she can't do this anymore and she just ends our relationship over a text message well i texted her to say is something going on and then she ended it and then my grandmother died oh no excuse me i left i had to leave my company i got my grandmother died and i got fired from my job (laughs) and it was this 18 month period, maybe not even, but I was like, What the fuck is going on? And I remember sitting, and I probably was at every 12-step meeting I could get my hands on Megan, and I literally said, Thank God I have the foundation of knowing that I can come here every day, multiple times a day, and, and because the foundate the emotional fitness foundation is there because I'm pretty sure that I would commit suicide right now if I if I didn't, because su- suicidal thoughts had definitely, you know, had been there prior because of depression and anxiety of growing up with dysfunction. And I was like, I had joined a group through a local rape crisis center and these 10 women, we joke, we call each other the dream team, is that like these women brought me back to life because their stories were very different than mine, but their feelings were the same. And that reminded me of being in 12-step. And so now I had a place to go to process the rape and not talk about the minutiae details of it. But how did it make me feel? How was it impacting me at work? How did I lose my job? What were the things that were happening? And then also processing this fact that am I going to press charges or am I not? And so I did. And fast forward that they did not do a criminal case and that, you know, I. I oddly said talk about intuitive intuition, but I oddly said to the state attorney's office, I said, "I'm sorry to hear that. That's the decision that you made, but I trust that you are making the best decision." What can I do? She has she has evidence in front of her. I'm not going to try to convince her of it. She already made the decision. But I think what happened there, Megan, is on that day that I got let go from my job, that was sort of the final nail in the coffin. Like that was sort of the last thing that happened that I finally, I was laying on the beach, which was my happy place. It's the place that I always go when I'm happy or I'm sad. And I laid down and I looked at my bank accounts and I started writing the numbers out and I tallied the numbers up and I think I had about 15 or $20,000 and I was shocked that I even had 15 or (laughs) 20,000. I just paid off debt. So I was debt free for the first time ever. And I said, do you wanna go back to corporate and talk about an intuitive hit? I got a hell no, we won't go. And then I heard, start your own business, start talking about this shit that really matters and how literally everyone is trying to hustle, grind, go, 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 do, do, do. And we're not really addressing the emotional fitness piece of it. Start talking about the inner stuff and and everything will come forward for you. And fast forward to April next month will be What is that three years of business? 19, 20, 21? Yeah. Three years of business. I just rewarding.
1: And thank goodness you did. I just just the impact that this conversation alone is going to have. Mm. I can't imagine the conversations that you've already had and will continue to have. The impact that sharing your story and sharing what I can't even begin to fathom as yeah, who wouldn't have suicidal thoughts or tendencies? Like who wouldn't be in that space when you're faced with a handful of situations, let alone the backlog of everything else that came before. that?
2: Yeah. It made me realize too, that I'm, that I, I prided myself on being fiercely independent. I got it from my, I got it from my mama, like fiercely independent. Thank God. I am not fiercely independent. Thank well, God. Well, fiercely independent is a trauma response. Exactly. That's what I mean is thank God 12 years ago as I'm as I'm literally packing my bags and leaving that abusive relationship, did I pick up the phone and start that do you know to this day like I see his ex every now and then, and she's like, I'm so sorry I prayed for you. That's what she said. She goes, I'm so sorry I prayed for you. I prayed that someone would come along who would be nice and who would who would be nice to my son, but I needed somebody to come in so I could get the pressure and the relief off of me. I'm sorry that it was you. And I said, don't apologize. Two things happened. I got to meet your son and realize that I really love children and I want to be around them and I want to have some some, maybe someday on my own. I said, but the second thing that I learned is It changed the course of my life, I said I got into 12 step recovery because of that, and then all the other shit that happened after that I then was able to go back to the foundation of 12 step recovery and realize. Not only can I not do this alone, I don't want to do this alone, I need to be around people, and I think that's that's something that's been really powerful for me as i've been able to take my story all of it and be really candid. With my, with my clients and say, listen, I know what it feels like to sleep with someone too soon, or I know what it feels like to be in a narcissistic relationship, or I know what it's like to have a flashback when you're loving and committed relationship with somebody and they put their hand in the wrong spot and your whole body just fucking freezes. And now you are not here with them, you are back where you were, right? Like, and then also I know what it feels like to pray and journal and want everything to happen for in your life and think that none of it is happening. But that intuitively deep down, you know, I just need to keep thinking the next right thought, the next right thought, the next right thought. And for me, that has sent me on a course of self-development and improvement that is, I mean, gosh, we met through a mutual friend, you and I, it, it's, it's led me to have these conversations with people that I would have never normally have had. And I'm grateful for that because think about it, I told you the dream team, you, even the woman that introduced us, like there are so many people who have come into my life who have made my life richer and then by something you've taught me or you came on my podcast and you shared that now then has a ripple effect onto somebody else and it's just i'm grateful that all that shit happened because i wouldn't have i wouldn't be sitting here remote at a three o'clock on a what are we is it tuesday or Wednesday? it's tuesday you, you know don't, you don't days. even have to know what day it is i don't even know no, what day it is, is. Because that's how cool my job is. I don't know what day it is. It's just been really powerful.
1: I kept thinking the entire time as you're sharing your story of, gosh, the what in you even allowed you to pick up that phone the first time and say like, I need support. I need help. Because that can be such a barrier in itself. And not only did you do it once, but you did it again. And then something yeah. else again and again. I mean, it's just a pattern that a beautiful pattern that continued to flow through there. What, how did you even know where to go for help? And was that a battle at first to say, yeah.
2: So to to answer your question, I think what motivated me to ask for help the first time and and really every other time was desperation. Mm
1: -hmm. It was,
2: it was desperation. It was that sadness. It was that depression. It was that, oh my God, like I can't believe that my life I know my life can be better, but why is my life shit right now? So I think it was the desperation. I th- and on top of that, was it hard? Yeah, because there was a bit of embarrassment because I thought I should have had my shit together. But whether you're 26 or you're 86, nobody really has their shit together. Like perfectionism is just a mask that we wear. So we appear to have it all together. But perfectionism doesn't actually exist because my idea of perfect changes all the time. It changes all the time. So I think, where did I know to go? I called my dad, who is someone who is, I would say, if the safe and trusted circle is here, my dad is like one rung out, you know, like, <laughs> not exactly who I go to for everything. But I did call him that day. And I was just like, Dad, you know, I almost said his name, Um, the guy that I was dating, you know, literally tried to throw me out of the house last night, like physically, and I'm at a motel and I, my bags are packed and I don't know where to go and I don't know what to do. And he said, well, I'm gonna, why don't I pay first, last and security for you to go someplace, which my father, I've never asked. I never even thought that that would happen. He didn't, I was able to stay at a friend's house because again, fiercely independent. Yeah. a did. dad. But apparently my dad called one of his best friends who had been in Al-Anon. he had she had shared her story with him. So talk about strength.
1: Yeah,
2: he shared her story with him. He shared her story with me and said, Listen, as much as it's an anonymous program. I know you know this woman she's been in your life for a long time. Um, she said it's okay for me to share her story. I think you should call her. I didn't call her for almost a year. Almost a year. The reason I called her was because I found out that he had slept with somebody like days after we ended our relationship. And that to me, I felt this immense amount of pressure to go up there and just lay into him. And I realized in that moment, I sort of was out in the front yard and I stopped and I was like, you can either go A or B. A is the road you keep going down or you can go to B. And so I called her and I was like, I don't know what to do. She was like, well, this is the first step of a new beginning now, isn't it kid?
0: Mm.
2: And she walked me through exactly what I needed to do every single week, sometimes multiple times a week, depending on how bad I was, how bad I was feeling.
1: I also want to circle back to something that you said to Katie is when you brought up this, the hold back or the weight of that is this idea, this layer of shame or, whatever it is that we feel and so to also shine light on the fact that you felt that once or that was maybe present for you at one time and you had a foundation you had support in place and then you got to a point where you needed more and so not to this ability of yours to not think or at least overcome the thought of I'm broken. If that didn't work, fuck it. Nothing else is going to work either. So why should I ask for more support? But to continue to layer that on.
2: Oh yeah. I love that you're talking about this. I actually got a DM about this the other day, kind of this concept of like, um, let me make sure I'm understanding it right. Like I tried this thing. It only kind of sort of worked. It didn't really work. I'm kind of feeling like I'm giving up, like I'm I'm feeling like lacking hope. And so like, why is your thing different or better or whatever? It's funny when a client, if a, if a prospective client ever asks me like, why am I different or why am I better? I, I usually know that they're coming from scarcity. So I don't try to convince, I'm just like, listen, you, you know, and I tell my story, you know, I think for me, I, I realized that my life was really unmanageable and that I was desperate for a change and I was willing to try anything. And whether you learn one thing or you learn 10 things from me, at least you're going to get that, what that thing that's going to move it forward for you. And if it doesn't, okay, what's, what was it? However many, uh, was it a hundred dollars you spent? Or maybe it was a couple grand, whatever it may be. But you're, I mean, the thing is, and I think you and I say this a lot is you're going to learn something either way. Yeah. So whether you learn something about yourself, maybe you learn something from somebody else, who knows you might sign up for something with Megan or myself. And then all of a sudden it's like, um, oh, you know what? I didn't really need this, but my friend Sharon really needed that. You know? And it's like, and then Sharon comes back to you and goes, oh, my God, Megan or Katie just changed my entire life. Like, I just think that sometimes we we think we're very selfish, right? We, we think that we need to be doing these things for us, but we don't realize that sometimes we're doing them because it's actually we're supposed to tell somebody else about it or we're supposed to learn something. or We're supposed to meet somebody who's also in the program. This happens a lot in my groups. These women become best friends with each other. And they're like, I can't even imagine my life without these women.
1: Well, I do a big part of what I do is because several, four, three, four years ago, I signed up for a a coaching program that did nothing for me and my business. And it made connections that completely opened up a thousand doors that I never dreamed that it would. I was like, yeah. So I invested in myself in that and I didn't get the outcome that I anticipated, but I got something a thousand times better.
2: So true. It's so, so true. I, so I think that there's no, like there's zero risk. There's only reward. Yeah. Whatever it is you do, whether it's the coaching. I mean, I think pod like podcasts and and books are great, but like I'm dating somebody now who he's so cute, but he's like, yeah, you know, I just realized he's fiercely independent. And so he's like, I just need to read the book and do the podcast. And then I figured out my personality and I was like, he is going to get a dose of Katie Grimes. He's just not ready for it. Yet, so I'm going to I'm going to warm up to it a little bit um, is podcasts and books are wonderful, but there is nothing like being able to talk to someone who can ask you questions to help you guide your intuition or two can relate to you. So you feel less alone, which reduces the shame or guilt or whatever feeling you're feeling and gives you the ability to realize that you're fucking unstoppable. And you do, no matter what all these affirmations are saying on the internet, you really are the creator of your own destiny. I had no idea that every path I was choosing was bringing me closer to this path. And that does not mean that I don't have days I cry. There are days that I cry a lot. And maybe it's tears of joy. And maybe it's tears of, I don't, sometimes I feel like I don't know what I'm doing. Or sometimes I'm, Sometimes I have this uneasiness as a business owner and I go, I just want to help more people. How do I help more people? You know, and it's what program do I need to create And now? Sometimes I'm creating out of, come on, God, I want to go faster. And God's going, I got, I'm bringing in the right people. I just need you to remember that this is the path you chose. Slow down, take care of yourself, rest. And it allows me to go, okay, the more that I rest, the more that I receive.
1: Well, it's force, not flow. We've t- had yeah. countless conversation we've had on here over and over again. It's force and not flow. And and it will to- happen if you force it, kind of, sort of thing. Something will happen if you force it. It won't feel good and it won't be fully aligned with where you really ultimately want to be.
2: I agree. It'll probably net a different result than what you actually wanted. Yeah. Right. Yeah.
1: And that's, if that's your path, then that's your path. Again, that's You'll, you'll learn something. You'll absolutely learn something.
2: So true. I just think too that like, if I think back to like what was possible, even, even though I forced some of those situations, right? Like pretty much every decision I made in my life, I forced in some way, shape or form with the exception of being at the beach that day, right? And that, be, that, that moment sticks out in time of April 12, 2019, sitting on that beach and going, if I truly trusted that I was gonna get everything I wanted, and have this massive desire on my heart to connect people like that's my that is my god-given gift is to connect people is to use my voice in some way shape or form to say megan you know it'd be really good you should come over here and talk to this person because she needs your help i'm constantly on my phone all day every day just email introductions to people to get them to connect and i think when i started to realize that i have these god-given abilities and there are things that come very natural to me. Like I'm multi I'm a multi-passionate person. I am somebody that when I put my mind to something, it usually does happen, even if it doesn't happen right away. As long as I get out of my own fucking way. As yeah. long as I trust. And and that's something that my sponsor to this day, we've been my sponsor for 12 years. Your faith has to be bigger than your fear, because faith and fear cannot be in the same place at the same party at the same time. There is only room for one. And you have to make a conscious choice, not every day, but multiple times every single day to stay in faith. And it is something that I constantly repeat on podcasts. It's something that I'm, con- and by the way, when I'm saying it, it's because I'm re re—I'm changing the neural pathways in my own brain to go, that's right, Katie, Katie Grimes, faith over fear. Because guess what fear tries to do sometimes in like, I think of it as the movie like Inside Out, the kid, kid movie when he's like, "Get out of the way! Everything's going to shit." Is like, I, I pretend that that's the character in there because I'm like, wait, 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 wait. Everything is always going to work out, but where can I get out of my own way? Can, where can I flow instead of being in force? Oh,
1: I, oh, Katie, everyone needs to be in your presence. Be connected oh. to somebody else by somebody else for you. And just this power of you just, you owning the story and just saying it. like, this is it. This is it. I own my story and I'm here to tell it and share it and allow it to be something needed by somebody else. It's just, I just, it's so resilient. And I really, really honor that space in you.
2: Thank you for saying that. and I, And I think too, I want to reiterate that while some of this confidence that you hear Sure, some of this is natural, meaning like I was born with it, right? But I would say 95% of it is practiced, meaning that like I've had to surround myself with coaches, mentors, sponsors, fellows, people to help me build and strengthen this this confidence muscle to get to a place where I can confidently tell my story. Because the first time I told that story, I was not so articulate and i was also still in a lot of shame for having it be over a certain amount of days right like whatever it was there was always parts of my story that were a little shameful and i think the a lot of people especially in the dms like on on instagram will say oh my gosh you just have so much more you have so much confidence or you're so much more confident than even just a year ago and i i think that's such a beautiful compliment and i always say because I'm think I think sometimes like when I get in the DMS maybe they need to hear this so maybe there's someone on the podcast is like and so can you because because this is learned behavior for sure learned behavior I practice this because I was taught it and I continue to teach it to myself and other people and I continue to to sign up for group programs and things like that because I just always want to get into that energy of being able to tell my story and really own all parts of it without feeling l- like less than or doubtful or anything like that you know yeah <laughs> oh,
1: where can people find you where can they yeah. see your
2: stuff there's three places the first is instagram kg. Katie grimes, and the second place is my podcast anything for love i'm on there weekly dropping dropping little nuggets of wisdom and you're on my podcast too, which Mm -hmm. is really great. You can find find that. Yeah. You can find anything for love on Spotify or iTunes. And then the third place, if you are wanting to inquire about any of the programs that I offer, you can head over to katiegrimes.com. There's a whole list of courses that you can sign up for that are actively open for enrollment all the time. And that way you can pick and choose the best one that feels in alignment for you, including private coaching.
1: Oh, Thank you so, so, so much. I just, I can't wait to hear people's responses from listening
2: to this. Me too. That's actually a really good point, Megan. If you're, if those of you who are listening and it resonates, please drop me and Megan a DM. I would love to hear what resonated with you and tell, if you feel comfortable telling either one of us your own story, that would be lovely. That would feel really great.
1: And then the same way that you said to share it because you don't know if your friend or partner or person or somebody will, that's what they need to hear as well.
0: Thank you so much for being here and for listening. I cannot tell you enough how grateful I am for you and that you get to be on this journey with me and we're here together on this wild, this wild ride. If there's something in this episode that landed with you, share it on Instagram, share it with a friend, tag me in and I want to know, I want to hear about it. I love in the ways that we get to connect And if you feel called, you can head over and rate and review this podcast. It helps us to grow and share and have other like-minded souls join this community and rise together. Sending you light and love, always.